Blog Talk Radio. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. We're going to step right into America's Funnest, Newest Game Show. Mike, I need you to do me a big favor. I know you're there, buddy. I need you to drop the phone and walk away from the play that people were. All right, I'll drop it. All right, America, this is America's Funnest Newest Game Show, the secret word. When Mikey says the secret word, the word is value. Value. You at home, America, you take a drink, and you too can be part of the buzzer meter with Mikey Grant. Okay, Mike, come on back. Come back, Mike. Yo, I'm back. Mike's been on vacation all weekend. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Red vs. Blue. Friday night football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, 70% uh, from what I used to be. Team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. As always, joined by the big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, well, first off, uh, thank thank you, Scott, and uh, thank everyone for uh, joining us. Uh, Red versus blue, we... We continue to keep moving along, and, uh, you know, it's late June. We're Next thing you know, I mean, we're getting into July, and we know what's next in August, and things keep moving along. Scott's feeling a little rough tonight, but uh, you're hanging in there, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, I really am. I'm hanging in there. It's about 70%, like I said, uh, after the flu, uh, virus, monkey flu, strain, um, had it all week long, uh, down and out, in bed, into the covers, but I have been keeping track of what's been going on in the league uh, for this show. We've got a good guest tonight, Christian Warikis, a.k.a. the Fantasy Smurf, will join us. He's joined us once before and uh, brings a nice flavor to the show. And, look, he's been uh, playing in the Dynasty World Championship, Mike. You remember he signed up for League 8 and League 14 in the Dynasty World Championship earlier in the year. He just signed up for League 23, uh, League 24 is now sold out as well. The Dynasty World Championship is sold out wow. for the 2014 season. Thank you to everybody for making the uh, the Dynasty World Championship a huge success. Doubled in size from year one to year two, uh, and it's going to be a it's going to be a very good year for the Dynasty World Championship. Uh, and the first ever Dynasty King will be crowned. That we have several drafts that are happening on the 5th of July, and then. I think four more that are happening on July 19th. That'll be the last Dynasty start draft date uh, of the year uh, here at the FFWC. This show is brought to you by Scout Fantasy. Scout Fantasy, the newest home of fantasy football, and uh, bringing sponsoring now the Fantasy Football World Championships, FF Toolbox, uh, and all the good things that we're doing in the in fantasy world at FF Toolbox. Uh, Scout is now a big player in fantasy football and fantasy sports, and uh, it's nice to be a part of this new scout team, Mike, because for one, sure. if, if not for one reason, we've got an army of scouts at our disposal to use for our podcast, to use for our articles and the content that we produce. Anybody that we have a question on, if you want to know something about Kelvin Benjamin, uh, we have the scouts and the experts to bring in and ask about Kelvin Benjamin, which is what we've done this week, uh, and we, we uh, on short notice, we got uh, one of the one of the experts at Scout to uh, break down Kelvin Benjamin for us. Uh, could not be on the show tonight due to short notice. That was my look. I was sick all week. Couldn't couldn't get this done earlier. But that's the kind of power that we have now, Mike. Here as being part of the Scout Network. If you want to know about a player, we can bring on the Scout expert to these podcasts, to these shows, talk about it 
Find out what, what's going to happen. Do you want to know what's going to happen to Bishop Sankey? Let's get the Washington Husky expert on, and we can talk, uh, you know, <clears throat> what's going to be a, a stud right. apparently in Bishop Sankey. I was just talking to one of their lead experts, lead expert scouts today, and uh, he said that Teddy Bridgewater, his night and day comparison from what he was at the pro day uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, man. He and look, he doesn't even know that I'm a Louisville fan, and he was telling he was telling this story <laughs> that uh, Teddy Bridgewater is uh, looking uh, fantastic, accuracy not a problem. Uh, playmaking twice the prospect that, or he said three times, three times the prospect that Christian Ponder ever dreamed of being. Uh, so it's exciting to hear when these pros, when these scouts uh, are watching the talent in the OTAs, and, and and they've watched them all throughout college, and they know them because that's what they do for a living. They're sitting there, you know, studying these guys, and and you know to have them at our disposal, Mike, it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, absolutely, and it's got to be fun to, uh, you know, for us listening and uh, being involved in it to uh, to get that uh, second, third ear and uh, to know exactly what they're talking about because, you know, a lot of us that, you know, when we're working five, six days a week, you know, we, we don't get to hear everything that's involved. Guys that you're talking about, Scott, I mean, that's what they do, and that that's their life, and uh, so – they're able to give us valuable, I mean, totally valuable information that we can uh, draw on as fantasy owners. Uh, once we get going here in the next uh, month or so, I, that's going to be information that, you know, you just can't uh, replace. Yeah, the, uh, the the publisher directory at Scout is vast. And uh, the, per- the gentleman I was talking to was Brandon Huffman, and you guys might know Brandon Huffman from the Scout uh, articles that he does all the time over at Scout. So uh, we, we have uh, a slew of guys that, that we will be able to bring on and ask anything we have. And any content that you want uh, brought up or any players you'd like to discuss, you let us know in the chat room or through email. You can email the show, uh, redblueradio at gmail.com. And you can reach us here in the chat room. The crew, some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. Thank you for joining the chat room crew. Code Cracker is here. Fantasy Smurf is here. Henry Muto, IPS driver, kicking bass. Uh, Marcel Reese is in the chat room, too, man. Marcel Reese showing up. Paul Fioret, the Dynasty World Championship uh, champion from last year. Rednecks Urinal Mint. Very good crowd uh, for this early in the broadcast. Code Cracker in the chat room as well. So, Mike, let's get started with the news before we bring on Christian Warikas and ask him about his Dynasty World Championship moves that he's been doing. I've been watching him pretty close. Uh, Corderell Patterson. There was news. Uh, Greg Jennings told ESPN.com's Ben Gossing last week that he talked to Patterson earlier in the offseason and let him know that we saw what he could do. We're going to showcase this. And they, they want uh, Patterson to get the ball and, Pat, and, and, and Jennings said of Patterson, we've got to get him the ball. He does too much well for us to not get him the mm-hmm. ball. Now, he's a solid wide receiver, too, with wide receiver one upside, Mike. So, right. uh, you know, when you, when you, when you talk about uh, the, the 2014 outlook that Rob Warner just did at FF Toolbox, by the way, the team outlooks that have been laid out are absolutely fantastic. I'm going to post this one right here in the chat room so everybody in, in the chat room can listen or, or, or check it out. But when you talk about these outlooks, Corderell Patterson was called a potential superstar. What do you make of Corderell Patterson? And the fact is, Vikings, you know, obviously would be a better team if they got him the ball. Definite potential superstar. Uh, Minnesota has a lot of things going for them. Uh, Right now, uh, AP, I mean, he's going to be fine at running back, and he's going to be able to get some things uh, out of the backfield. Uh, Corderell, I mean, you know, you just get get the guy – Somebody throw him the ball, and uh, they may have that in Teddy. Uh, maybe not the first couple weeks. Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, you know, Corderell has already shown his uh, electrifying capabilities. I mean, the guy is electrifying, and I really love Corderell, or I wouldn't have him in two of my dynasty leagues. But uh, the, the guy is electrifying, and. Uh, nice. I, I just I, I I love the guy. 
Yeah, I'm a little surprised at this uh, drafting, though, that I'm looking at. Let's see, Corderell, uh, he went a little later than I, than I thought he would. Uh, Corderell Patterson has been going in the, you know, in the fourth round here, and in this round he went 5'11". That's, that's really late. Now, you know, maybe that's because there's a rookie quarterback maybe going to be there. Uh, I, I do think that you know, Bridgewater won't start until about week four or week five of the season. Yeah. But I think whenever Bridgewater gets in there, he's going to be uh, lightning in a bottle for this team. I, I just think he's that good of a playmaker. I don't think there's going to be much of a learning curve for him because he can just read defenses. He's a smart kid, smart quarterback. I don't think there's any worries uh, about the quarterback situation. So the only question is, for Corderell, what type of numbers are we talking about, right? It all, it all comes down to numbers. And if, there, if you're the Vikings and you're more run-focused – then you have to spread these targets out. And you've got to spread them out to Corderell. You've got to spread them out to Greg Jennings. You have Kyle Rudolph, and you have Adrian Peterson that all catches balls. <clears throat> and then you have the other wide receivers. But you would think that Corderell, in that offense, he has a chance, a real chance, at 70, 80 balls, maybe 800 to 1,000 yards, and, you know, 7 to 10 touchdowns on a, it would be It would be a really nice season, and I, I think he could do it. I, I do too, Scott. I think the only thing uh, you're talking about him going five eleven and things like that. Uh, I think yeah, some late. people may be, yeah, they, they may be scared of the fact that uh, Adrian Peterson's getting a little bit older. Uh, they're just not, you know, they're not that comfortable about the run situation at Minnesota right now. <coughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah, and, I personally feel good about the run situation, but uh, you know, it just all it takes is you know, AP something to happen, and next thing you know, you have nothing, and they're going to double, double, and double, and triple, uh, Corderell <laughs> and uh, everybody else involved. Yeah, you know, they also mentioned in the chat room, IPS driver says you get rushing yards also for. For Patterson, and that's a good point. You know, it, it, look, if something happens to Adrian Peterson, uh, the team's going to be hurting for certain. But, uh, you know, that does give those kids like Asiata and Jarrett McKinnon a chance to shine, and and that would definitely give Bridgewater the uh, the chance to really see what he can do. And um, But, look, this is about Cordero Patterson. Look, at 5'11", you have to – and I'm going to look at this recent draft board here uh, for the FFWC. Uh, you're having to pass on guys um, – Look, in that, at that draft, T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson, Kendall Wright, and Torrey Smith and Mike Wallace had already went, okay? I could make a case for Patterson over all those guys, to be honest with you. Now, I would probably take Michael yeah. Floyd, but it would be right around that mark. I would definitely, this year, I'm not high on Edelman, so I would not be taking just Julian Edelman over Cordero Patterson in this draft. It happened, but I couldn't do that. So I'm, I'm more of an end-of-the-fourth kind of guy for Corderell. This is a little bit late for me. Wide receiver 28, that's a little late for me. I'm more in the early 20, uh, 20 range here, right after the Cruises, the Roddy Whites, the Wes Welkers, those real surefire things. <clears throat> that's when I'm looking to take Corderell Patterson. So yeah. maybe, maybe I'm a little higher but, on him than most, but, yeah. No, I don't, I don't think you should be higher on him uh, than most because – I mean, he, he really proved himself last year uh, to have that breakout ability. Uh, that, well, he's obviously got breakout speed. So, uh, I mean, he, he can do a lot of different things, just needs to be put in the right situation uh, with some more players around him. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out here in, you know, like I said, the next uh, month, month and a half, if uh, Teddy and uh, – those other quarterbacks, I mean, if they can connect with him, I mean, he's he's got everything it takes. So uh, it's up to him to give them the ball. Uh, let's move on. The coach coaches say that Trent Richardson is playing more instinctively. Now, we broke this out before the story came out. This story was a June 30, 23rd story, but we brought it out last week after we had talked to our Colts insiders here. And they said that they uh, that Trent Richardson is what the coaches keep talking about that they they feel like they got the player that they traded for that they didn't feel like they got last year and whether that was just a new city the move uh, his feelings are getting hurt uh, he can't learn the playbook or just uh, an apathetic type of running style that did not it was not uh, what we were expecting 
they, they say that's changed. And confidence is not an issue now. Knowledge of the play, playbook is not an issue now. And the, the coaches are impressed after the recent OTAs. Via ESPN.com, Jen Trotter, Colts coaches said Richardson relied more on his instincts while running instead of overthinking and trying to do too much with the ball. Now, Mike, Richardson is one of these guys that you may be asking yourself, that you may be saying early in the, you know, in the draft season, I want to stay away from I don't want to have to make that decision. But you know how these drafts work, Mike. Um, right. You end up taking a wide receiver thinking you're going to get a running back. Round two comes around. The running backs you want aren't there. <clears throat> Man, br- brutal, guys. Uh, then there, there's the other – so you take another wide receiver. Maybe in round three, again, the running back options are just still kind of blah, and you don't want to chase the position. So you say, you know what, I'm going to take my strengths, and I'm, and I'm not going to go chase the position. So I'll get maybe my stud tight end, or maybe I'll get a stud quarterback, take Peyton Manning there. So now I've assembled mm-hmm. kind of a – now I've assembled a Demarius Thomas, maybe a maybe an Antonio Brown, then came back with a Peyton Manning, you know. And now I've got to get a middle round running back. And we talked about this. This is the where those decisions have to start coming in. Maybe you take a Rashad Jennings, maybe a Toby Gerhardt, or you come back at the end of the fifth round, early sixth, and you take a Trent Richardson, who's there sitting at the RB twenty five spot. What do you think about uh, Trent Richardson as being like? one of those running backs that you're, you're drafting in the top two or three of your running back core? Well, the one thing about it, Scott, is this league is so pass-heavy. It's going to be, and it will continue to be. Uh, I might even take Trent Richardson a little bit higher because he's on a potential winning team. Uh, the reason I say that is because if they get up, you know, if they get a – kind of a big lead, then, uh, you know, I can see Trent Richardson being, uh, you know, being pretty solid, bless you. And, uh, but the one thing about it is I don't think his stock is going to waver from bottom of round, say, six to maybe even he might top out in round three by the time we really get rolling in uh, August and so. I got to tell you this. I would uh, I would not hesitate to take Trent Richardson this year um, as my RB uh, two if I had started a draft off like I mentioned with a couple of stud wide receivers and a right. quarterback. I can always find depth at the running back position later. Also, now look, it's not the it's not the ideal start, but if Henry Muto taught us anything last year, you can win going wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver and uh, get your, your running backs later. And we didn't think that that was possible last year looking at how the drafts were, were shaping up. It, it seemed like you had to get those running backs early, those studs off the board. Well, think, and last year turned out to be but, the exact opposite of that. Yeah, it seemed like last year uh, in every event that I was in, it was running back almost right through the first round. Uh, you, you, you just wanted to grab them. Of course, there was a lot of flops there with uh, Doug Martin and uh, some other guys. But, uh, you know, it just it seemed like it was running backs. You better get one quick. But it doesn't seem that way anymore. Yeah, so Trent Richardson is one of these backs that you're going to have to consider. Uh, l- let's ask yourself the question, um, Trent Richardson or yep. Frank Gore? Uh, in a redraft? Yeah, yeah, I, I would go. Uh, well, it depends on what round. If we're talking uh, round uh, four or five, Trent Richardson. Hmm. Well, okay, yeah, Trent Richardson or Gore. In this draft, they went six two and six three. Uh, after guys like your Chris Johnson, after Pierre Thomas, after uh, Ryan Matthews, after Joy Cabell. You know, these are all names that, that look like they could perform wow. without the risk associated with Trent Richardson. Um, you know, I love, really, uh, you know, Chris Johnson hmm. is one of those that I could not take over Trent Richardson right now. Pierre Thomas, I could see a case for Pierre Thomas because of the workload I think that he'll get. Uh, but, again, that, that is a three-horse monster there with Kerry Robinson and Mark Ingram, and, and it is Drew Brees' team. Pierre had great reception counts as a – uh, a, not a full-time player last year. Now, with Sproles on, you would think that those reception counts might even increase a little bit, but there's no guarantee of that. 
Uh, Ryan Matthews, again, another guy. They bring in Donald Brown. I'm not real high on drafting Ryan Matthews, no matter what kind of performance he's given me. I don't feel good about it. It's one of those you got to hold your nose. Now, Joyce Bell, different story. I love Joyce Bell. If Joyce Bell is there, very hard to turn away his, his type of upside, especially with Reggie Bush. What? He's 29 now. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly content taking a Joyce Bell. I mean, if a Reggie Bush goes down, you've got yourself that top 10 running back uh, that you wanted all year because Joyce Bell could be that. Uh, a lot of these you other guys, stand alone, still don't do it for me. Right. You know, it sounds like to me, it seemed like last year uh, round six and seven was the hot picks for uh, quarterbacks. That's when that was going on. Uh, this this year coming up, it seems like round four, five, and six is going to be the hot picks for those running backs. Yeah. Because it's going to be a I, bunch I, I of wide receivers. and so. I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that. Now, if you've got a top pick, you need to take that running back right off the bat, the LaShawn McCoy, the Jamal Charles, Matt Forte, right. Adrian Peterson. But, if you, but after that, yeah. it's fair game. I mean, I, I could, I could yeah. make a case for taking Demarius Thomas over Eddie Lacy all day long. I can make a case for Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones or A.J. Green, you know, over these Le'Veon Bells and, and Monty Ball and Giovanni Bernard type players and, and definitely over the Arian Foster type. So, I could easily see yeah. going that that two wide receiver strategy this year, and then you're coming back trying to make those, like you said, trying to pick through these and avoid these landmines in the fourth through the sixth. There's landmines there. We just gotta we just gotta figure out which ones yeah. they are. Uh, let's let's bring in some some help and, and, and recruited we've recruited some help for tonight's uh, battles here. Christian Warikis, aka the Fantasy Smurf, joins us for his second stint on Red versus Blue. What's up, my man? Hey, what's up, Scott? What's up, Michael? Uh, congrats hey, on this crash. So, I just had a, I had a, I had a long road trip. I listened to I think a a trio of your podcasts. I was a little behind, so uh, it got got me through. Um, so I appreciate it. <laughs> nice. I love to hear the the road trips are uh, filling the uh, the red versus blue filling up the road trip airways. So you joined uh, last. You joined us uh, on red versus blue, Christian. You were in League Eight. You had just joined up for League Fourteen. And we're in the middle of some drafts, and I saw some things go down in those drafts. We're going to talk about that tonight, too. Going to spring that on you. Uh, but League sure. 23, I saw you signed up for. That's a July 19th draft. What made you want to take a third and, and final shot for the uh, in, in the Dynasty World Championship? You took your third team. I said it's my fourth team. <laughs> oh, uh, I, a, I just did a setup. Uh, I think it was for the League 14. Um, so as well as I'm in like six, eight, fourteen. So this is twenty. This is my fourth one with you guys. Um, I don't know. I just uh, you know really like your setup. I love the kind of the format, Dynasty King, and um, it's you know a lot of good active owners, and that's what really makes a good league. And um, and in twenty three, you gave me one point one, so that was like a gift. So I traded that right away. <laughs> <laughs> you drew the one pick. Yeah, you know a lot of people uh, will like the one pick in Dynasty. They uh, they can they can trade down uh, all they can whittle their way down you know trading down to one four oh, and like then trade down their way to I one mean, seven. It's an advantage. I mean, if you're going to move it, I mean, some people want to sit on it, but uh, you know, yeah. if you move it, you're going to gain something. Whether it's a first round pick moving back a couple, you know, moving back six eight spots or, or you know, I I move way back, but you know, uh, yes, yeah, so it's a gift for sure. But you know, it's obviously dynasty's long haul, so. And, Mike, you know all about that, too. You get the one pick in the first round. You get yep. that last pick in the second round. You don't have much to work with in the second. No, no, you don't. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a chess match, uh, I guess you could say, Kristen. And, uh, and, Scott, you know that as well. And it's, uh, yeah, it's very tough. Yeah, but, it's, uh, that's what makes it fun. And, and even, like, even what, like, a future first is worth, there's so much – you know, there's so much disparity in terms of what, especially if it's an owner's new or or you have a seasoned vet, on terms of what like a what a future first is worth, and you see all kinds of wildy uh, trades going. Uh, Christian, I looked at a league that you were in, and you've acquired four first round picks, and I saw a trade go down in that league. Doug Martin. For Lynch, round one, round two, and round three. So let's take the first topic, the four first-rounders. Uh, is, is this a strategy of yours, you trying to gobble up on first-round picks? I saw that you, 
you're willing to, and this will help the guys that are all getting ready to draft here in July, but you're willing to back out of those early couple of rounds and gobble up those mid-round picks, those third, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth-round picks uh, instead and build a team around those younger guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually starting to do the same thing with number 23 here. Um, yeah, I was just willing to kind of decide it right away and um, – uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I have I have younger players. I mean, just kind of looking at it like, okay, you know, two, three years out, you know, in a startup, how many first, second, third rounder, you know, first, second rounders would would I have, you know? So kind of looking at it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I have a very young team, but um, uh, but obviously, you know, two years out, I'll be looking, um, you know, I'll be right on track. So yeah, I'm I'm throwing in the two seventy nine or whatever it is this this year. <laughs> Mike, Mike, we talk about this all the time on Red vs. Blue and also in Dynasty Drafts that you and I have been in. We watch some teams play to win it now, and other teams are okay to donate, uh, quote-unquote, donate to the, to the pot for the first year right. because they're looking longer term. They, they have a three-year vision in mind or a two-year vision in mind. Uh, how far out do you think that, beca- that becomes a little excessive, Mike? Because you've seen some guys try building that way, and they just never quite get it right, and they're always tooling with that strategy, but they're – they're always building for the future. Well, just b- based on my, uh, based on what I've done, uh, you know, I drafted now. I wanted to win now, and uh, that sets you back three years. I mean, yeah, I- I've won at that particular time, but that will set you back three years, in my opinion, if you draft for now. You you got to continue to draft uh, for the future, and I'm. You know, continuing to learn, and it's it's very hard. I mean, it's very difficult. But uh, you know, once you start getting settled settled into a system of okay, I need these draft picks, I need these draft picks, I need these draft picks, but I still have these guys that are my future. You know, it's 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 a difficult situation. Yeah, I sure, totally sure. agree because a ro- aging roster can. Can age, you know, can age fast, and oh, you know, if you're in a startup, you got that picking, right, like, You're picking Gore and Steven Jackson, the ninth and tenth round. That's, you know, I'd rather take, you know, rather take Moncrief there. I'd rather take someone that's going to get me, you know, you know, someone that you know could be a stud, well, you know, down in you know two years from now or top twenty-four pick or whatever. But um, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, but some people say screw it and. You know, I'm going to win now, and I'll deal with you know trading. And some people can do that. I mean, I mean, you have someone in your chat room, you know, Hen- uh, Mr. Muto. Yeah, I, I ask him questions all the time. <laughs> you know, like some people can can win, and then they're good at flipping the roster. And, and actually, the key is flipping the play. There's there's Bingo. some players out there that can flip a player at the exact right time. And I don't know how they do it. It's like some crystal ball. And uh, I mean, that's the real yeah. key: being able to get the most value from a player. <laughs> And then get them for enough more more value, and you're not you're, you never fall behind. That's it, Christian. Uh, you, you know, I was just getting ready to talk about uh, the year I, I, I won a couple years in a row in a dynasty league with uh, Gore and Ray Rice. Well, you know, when, when is that time to sit there and uh, you know put put out offers? Put out offers. Say, look, man, I'm I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. But you, you don't know when to flip it, like you said. And, uh, you know, I waited too long. Now I'm sitting there with Gordon Ray Rice on the same team, and I'm not going to get any value for him. Two years ago? Uh, yeah, I think got a lot for, of Maybe Rice, if he turns, you know, we'll see what he does, uh, you know, this year. That should be interesting. The, the, the players that I'm seeing that happen on now are, are the ones that are, they're almost impossible to move for anything right now. Arian Foster and Marshawn Lynch, these are guys that have been absolute fantasy beasts for their owners when healthy, uh, and you can't get anything for them if you own them in Dynasty. There's nothing – you're not going to get anything for them, and it, it's really one of those sad situations when you, when you mistime the market, uh, whether it be a Roddy White uh, or, or a Vincent Jackson, somebody that you have that, that plays been fantastic, but they've just been labeled by the Dynasty community as old. And, and too old to yeah. own, you know, and that, and that when, when you're too old to own, that's, that's, uh, that's bad news. And I, and I do see some successful dynasty owners decide to bite the bullet and say, you know what, it's okay to have an old guy or two on my team. I'm not buying them for flip value. I'm buying them for win value. Uh, if most of your team is young 
it's okay to let a guy like that on your team. I mean, look, Calvin's going to get to that level one of these days, Christian, and, and somebody's going to end up with him. Now let's talk about that trade that we saw go down in your league. Doug Martin for Marshawn Lynch, round one, round two, and round three. What, what did you think of that trade? Yeah, I saw that. I mean, obviously, um, was this pre-Sims talk or not? I think it was pre. Um, okay. You know, and you got you know, some people are really you know. I know Martin's been bouncing around. You know, the second round or third round now because um, uh, he's dropped a little bit with all the the Sims talk, but. You know, I remember, but Martin was a top three pick last year. You know, so he's still. We don't know what's going to go on down there. I, I, you know, Lynch. You know, he's. We've probably seen the best of him. He's a declining um, asset. And even even in draft masters and drafting goes, Lynch has been falling. But uh, I still think I'll have a good year this, a decent year this year. But um, I mean, I, I would favor the, the pick side of it. But you know, um, is this all where you value Martin? Mike, I, uh, I, I rode Larry Johnson all the way into the ground. Uh, Priest Holmes. I rode Priest Holmes all the way into the ground. Once, once you have a guy like that on your team, you don't want to – he's meant so much to you. And he, you know, I won yeah. back-to-back dynasty titles with him in a, in a, in a 24-man league. And, and, you know, those are those guys that are very hard to part with no matter what. You know? But I tried to part with him, and nobody would say, I'm like, okay, fine. I guess I just have to ride him out. Uh, you mentioned Ray Rice, code cracker in the chat room. Doesn't, Ray, doesn't Rice have a good right hook? That's not right. That's not right. Uh, uh, Christian, let's get your help here. Kelvin Benjamin, uh, one of the topics of our show tonight. We've been, uh, we, we had one show on Jordan Matthews. We had another show on Brandon Cooks. Tonight it's Kelvin Benjamin. And looking at Kelvin Benjamin, he's being drafted uh, after Cooks and Matthews, but right in the same ballpark as Matthews, Benjamin, and Beckham. They're all sort of in the same ballpark. And it's kind of pick your poison there. Uh, dynasty perspective, which one you like, and redraft, uh, what, what, where do you rank uh, Kelvin Benjamin there? You know, yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of, he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the receivers, the boom or bust, I think. You know, he's got, you know, he's in an ideal situation, the number one receiver, you know, and they, now he's bonding with Cam, they're going off to do something, you know, red zone target, but you know, I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of red flagged with him a bit. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see with being that Newton's not the most accurate, how he gels, with, you know, besides just throwing up in the end zone. Um, uh, and he's a little on the older side for, for a rookie. I know that. So I've been passing on him in terms of dynasty. You know, he's right in the middle of the eighth round or whatever that is, 90. Um, I've been passing. Um, for I, I'm I've been on, on I rather have Monc, Moncrief with just with the hopefully a good situation next year with one or two players leave there and you have luck um, I'd rather just take the chance on him um, so I I still don't have a definitive um, you know in terms of Don, Don so basically I've been passing on Dynasty Benjamin on Dynasty now in the redraft. You know, if you're sitting in a tenth round, beginning or even eleventh round, you can definitely make the case. Um, you're going to have like Bo and maybe Stills there, and you know, like players like that. So you can definitely make the case. I mean, what's I guess this floor? You know what? You know, fifty-five, what was it, fifty, fifty, sixty catches, eight hundred yards. Mm-hmm. You know, every four to six TDs. You know, you know if he's your fourth receiver. You know, um, and, he, and he could do better than that. Like he could, have, he has more, he could have more upside than that. So I don't, you know, he, he he's a bit of an enigma. You can't teach, uh, what's he like six right. five, two fifty, whatever. You know, so he's going to be one interesting player to watch. So I could see in a redraft getting him at the right price. But dynasty, I've been passing for just, um, you know, for those second round running rookies. You know, I mean, this rookie class has been so much fun to. to to draft, um, but I've been passing for like Allen Robinson and Moncrief. Um, but yeah, Benjamin's been right there, and I've, I've thought about him, but I haven't grabbed him. And Mike, uh, he mentions Dante Moncrief there. That's a potential number one wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. You give this kid a year to uh, a couple years to uh, you know get into uh, the NFL right. and learn this system in Indianapolis, and to have a quarterback like Andrew Luck. That's why everybody and you know here's Christian Warikas, aka the Fantasy Smurf. He's talking about Moncrief, and he's dropping Moncrief on us. And, and this is a guy that I don't own. I didn't get in I, – I struck out, man. Zero 
Dynasty yeah, League did I get Moncrief, and I was high on him going in, but then, you know, it's just one of those things that just never worked out for me in my drafts, uh, and, and, I, and I didn't get a hold of him. But for Kelvin Benjamin, Mike, you're, I mean, he's 6'5", he's 240, coming in from Florida State, 15 touchdowns last year for the Seminoles, a thousand yard season for for that uh, right. for that young quarterback. What do you what do you think about Benjamin going to a situation with Cam Newton and without uh, without these weapons here? The size is going to mean everything because Cam the Cam Cam knows how to throw it. I mean, he can throw it up, and uh, there there'll be a tremendous opportunities for him. Uh, worry about his speed. I, I I just don't know if he has a speed to. Uh, uh, to get things done the way as quick as Cam wants it done. But uh, let's face it, I mean, Carolina, they have no wide receivers whatsoever. Yeah, so, yeah uh, that, that, that's going uh, to me pause. I mean, you, th- you have to think defense is going to be stacking the box for the run, but, you know, uh, you, yeah, but who else is there? And they can give more attention to, to Benjamin if they need to, especially in those red zone areas. So, that's, a, that's yeah. another factor for sure. That could be a good thing and a bad thing. You know, right. if, you don't want like, Benjamin. Yeah, if you're only throwing at a guy, you know, like right. if Cam does establish a relationship and the chemistry, yeah, then obviously he's going to look for him whenever, you know. I want to yeah, introduce you guys to one, one of the scouts in uh, Seminole country, uh, Chris Primaruso. He's a uh, 2012 grad of FSU. He, uh, just, just so you know, he's been an FSU fan his entire life, currently in grad school at FSU, saw every game that Florida State played last year. He's the type of fan who watches and re-watches the games during the week. So you can know that what he's telling you about Kelvin Benjamin is, uh, is at least pr- fairly straightforward. And uh, he did take a break from studying for his exam to, to get, reach out to Red versus Blue and write us this email. He said, things that KB does well. He high, point, high points the ball. He exploits matchups on smaller defenders. He's very physical. He's solid but not a great route runner. Much more agile than you'd expect from someone who's 6'5", 235, can make people miss in open space. Blocking, That's although Ricky he does Prowl was to saying. take plays off. What's that? That's what Ricky Prawl was saying. Like he's, you know, the receiver's guy. Yeah, blocking, although he does seem to take plays off, but when he's committed to blocking, he feels awful for the corner lined up against him. Runs through arm tackles. He said, YouTube Kelvin Benjamin versus Florida, UF 2013. Watch his first TD catch. So YouTube Kelvin Benjamin versus Florida. Watch his first TD catch uh, for running through some arm tackles. He can also line up in the slot and be effective. He's not a permanent slot type, obviously, but if a coach sees him struggling to get separation – he has the flexibility that he can line up in the slot. Now, things Benjamin struggles with. Sometimes he struggles to separate against corners on short routes. He has good but not great speed. Once he gets in stride, he's fast, but coming out of his break or beginning stance is not the best speed. Has times in games where he lacks focus, drops balls, have no business being dropped, misses blocking assignments, etc. Sometimes he can be too physical with DBs, and if an official is paying attention, could get called for offensive PI. He says, check 2012 Miami, 2013 Florida, although we got away with it with it Florida, not so much against Miami. Then he goes on to finish, as far as how good KB will be for Carolina, it really is a mystery. KB has never been a true number one receiver. All his time at FSU, Rashad Green was the true go-to receiver. With that said, KB has by far the most talented receiver as he is just a physical specimen at his size and with his ability. Uh, came into the school very raw with discipline issues, but he's really matured through his three years uh, at the university. Uh, along with that, he just started playing football his sophomore year of high school, so he's legitimately still learning a lot. He personally believes he's going to have a decent year, even with it being his first year. He goes on to say he's struggled with being called the primary target or big play receiver. Thinks if Cotri, Avant, and Underwood and Olsen can all be viable targets, it'll relieve some coverage pressure. He'll be much better off. If that's clear that he's the only main threat on the outside for Cam and draws most of the attention, he'll struggle his first year. Uh, If he had to put numbers on him, he'd say around 30 to 40 catches, 400 to 600 yards, 3 to 8 TDs. I think TDs are the most variable prediction because if given a lot of fade and jump ball opportunities in the red zone, he's going to bring a fair share of them down. Okay, that's an awesome breakdown for a, uh, for a scout 
at Florida State. And I, and, I, and I tell you, I've got to agree with a lot of that, but I think he shorts him a little bit. I, I'm, in looking at this offense and looking for what I'm expecting, I'm expecting this guy to catch about 50 or 60 balls on 110 targets. 800 yards yeah, does not seem out of the norm for me. And, and, and he says three to eight TDs. I could see six or eight, uh, depending on if, if, he's a, uh, if he's a big play threat in the, in the red zone. That could come pretty quick. So six, six would be yeah. my number. Eight would not surprise me. Uh, Mike, what did you think of that breakdown? I, I, you know, that was a great breakdown. And, you know, that, there's a lot of ifs, ands, uh, or buts. Uh, right there together, uh, you know. I think I think we'll know right away by week uh, three that this guy is going to be something. I mean, if Kelvin's going to be something in that in that offense, uh, we'll we'll know by week three. Yeah. Final thoughts on uh, on Kelvin? Anything, uh, Christian? Before we move on. No, I I, I want to be a scout. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, right. Dude. Yeah. He's. He's going to be. It's going to be. A, he's definitely a mystery. I mean, he's got. You know, he's got top thirty wide receiver upside. You know, if he has a. You know, things go really well. But. Um, well, you know. We'll see. What's going to be what's, what's going to be fun about it, Kristen uh, and Scott, is uh, the guys that take Kelvin real high, and if he does real well, you know, really quickly, they're going to look. I mean, they're going to look really good. And, uh, yeah, the ones that's, that's, that, uh, you know, I wonder, you know, uh, I mean, how many so people are actually going to be targeting him? Are you going to have some yeah, some uh, people doing that? And then, uh, for me, it's going to be a situational, what else is around him at that time, you know? It's just totally speculation. There, there, there could be guys, I mean, at the draft board that say, to heck with it, I'm going to go ahead and take him, and, uh, you know, that might strike go. And then again, they – might not. So it's totally speculation on that. I don't think it's as much right. and speculation. Also, you know, in the redraft, of... it's also yeah. going to depend on your roster as well. If you have some secure wide receivers and you want to take a swing, then there you go. Right. You know, but uh, if you need some security, if you're going to there, you might not do it. Yeah, let, let, let's look at the let's look at what the Carolina Panthers have. Uh, Jericho Cotri. Okay, he had a great touchdown yeah, against Ben Roethlisberger, but let's not let's not think that that's going to continue. Ten touchdowns is more than he had in the, in the three seasons prior to that year, so that's not going to continue. Somebody's got to catch those balls. It'll be I I, I think Greg Olson is being vastly underrated so far, uh, just because of the opportunity that exists for him on that squad right now. And Kelvin Benjamin, great opportunity for a tenth round pick. I mean, you got Brian Hartline there. You got Reuben Randall. You got Aaron Dobson. You got Robert Woods, Jarrett Boykin. If you're not taking Kelvin Benjamin out of that bunch, he's the he's the true number one wide receiver yeah. for that team, and he will be. Yeah. But it might take him a while. He might be one of those guys that you can't start right out of the gate, but he could be. But he, you will be able to start him by the second half of the season. I'll guarantee it. I guarantee you throw that guy into that mix uh, at, for the second half of the year for Carolina, where they're airing it out. I'll bet you. Uh, I'll bet you he does quite well. Let's move on uh, from Kelvin Benjamin. Who's your rookie of the year, Christian? I, I asked you this question in email. I wasn't sure what you were going to bring. Uh, there's the there's no. Well, it's funny. I, you know, mind, but. I, actually, I just, I've actually been thinking about. I um, I just took my Vegas stuff, and then early in the week, I printed out the Vegas spread because I always do some, some you know just some futures. And yep. uh, last year, I nailed Lacey. So I was looking at the. Nice. Earlier in the week, I was looking at the Rookie of the Year odds, and I mean, I'm just sharing this because it's kind of ironic. And you know, they don't even list list Sankey on on the Vegas spread, you know, oh. in terms of Rookie of the Year. So they're not even putting him on the board uh, in terms of being with a bet. Um, and then, so, but my, you know, obviously he's an obvious one. A lot of people think Cooks. Uh, but I just think that's going to be too seated, and it, it is going to be. He's not going to have enough stats in order to qualify any of the three quarterbacks. If, if they get playing time, they they could be the de facto um, Evans and Watkins. I mean, obviously they're possible, but I actually don't think any of them get it either. Sankey, and I think it's going to be. I mean, this is a, I'm just this is a dark horse, but. I think it's going to be some injury or some uh, running back that gets hurt, whether it be Devontae Freedom, uh, Freeman that gets in there early or West that gets in there early or, 
you know, even like a receiver, um, like if Macklin gets hurt again or something, Matthews gets in, I think it's going to be the rookie year is going to end up being someone that ends up getting hurt or getting in a situation and then the, or they're going to get the starting role. So I, I'm actually not choosing any of the big wigs. I'm going to kind of go outside the box a bit. Mike, who's your rookie of the year? Wow, right now, uh, you know, I'm going stanky uh, because I, I believe in his uh, his the position he's in, the team he's with, and uh, you know, I, I, I really I, I love watching him play. Yeah, seems seems like Sankey would be my vote. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's the obvious. I mean he really is. I mean you know, but. Yeah, we'll see. I think Sankey would get my vote, but I like Brandon Cooks an awful lot. Uh, I mean, pick your poison there. Brandon Cooks or Kenny Stills, I like both those yeah. guys for that offense. But yeah, I like Stills a lot if, too. Uh, you know, um, that's going to be that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think I think both of them have tremendous upside uh, as sleepers that I would be happy to take in a draft master format. Give me a both, and and I'm I'm kind of yeah, covering the market draft, there on those. But even in a redraft, getting Stills in the eleventh round, you know, like. I think that's where he's going. He's going, I think he's around the 120s. Um, you know, I think that's great value, you know, great value. Yeah, I saw him going the ninth round in this draft, 9-1, a little bit early for Kenny Stills. But uh, his, his, the, the, his, it depends on what draft you get in and, you know, who really understands what you have there with the New Orleans offense is what we tried to talk about last week. Uh, let's talk about last year's rookies, guys, and uh, we'll, we'll move on. We have 15 minutes left on the program. You guys have been fantastic. I've been beat up here with this flu. Which last year's rookie, Tavon Austin or DeAndre Hopkins, has the greatest shot of breaking out? Now, I've been watching your drafts, uh, Christian, so I think I know what you're going to say, but who, which, which rookie do you think has the best shot of breaking out this year? Um. Well, yeah, they're both going to be obviously always paired up together along with Patterson. But um, I think they're both – they both are your classic uh, – what do they call it? Like buy low, post-type second-year guys, yeah. right, because they, they fizzled. So they're both – but they, I think they both fit in that category. Um, you know, I think, you know, Hopkins just got caught in that Houston train wreck and – you know, I know he had a lot of mistakes in the middle of the year, but it's easy mistakes. It's not like I know his drop rate was really good. I mean, not that he dropped it, but, it, like, not dropped. I think he was, like, second or something. But I, I like, you know, a lot of it comes down, you know, I like Bill O'Brien. I think he's going to shift to a more, um, obviously he's going to shift to a more passing offense. Um, and, he, you know, Hobbs is still going to have a lot of opportunity and volume. Um, you know, and I, but for where Austin's going, I, I, I do, he can only, you know, obviously, there's talk about him. You know, understanding the offense now. He's lost, and um, being able to. The biggest thing is St. Louis being able to use him properly. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in Brian Schottenheimer at all. Um, uh, you know, even though I know their offense is complicated or something, but um, but there's still a whole lot of upside in Austin. I don't know how to use him right. Um, so I, I actually am buying both of them at their price. Um, as in a dynasty. In the dynasty, it's you're talking fourth round for Hopkins. It's some in the fifth, and a dynasty for Austin, you're like in the seventh. Uh, so I'm like in. So I, I think I think Hopkins is the better in terms of having um, in terms of having a breakout. But I am buying both at their you know at their dynasty price. Um, so that's just kind of where I see it. But I, I do think Hopkins is going to have. A, I think he's going to have a very good year. But even though their quarterback situation is. You know, it, it, it be right now. I just, um, you know, biggest problem with me in Austin is Brian Schottenheimer. God, you can't. I'm sorry, I can't get. You know. But anyway, that's kind now, of a little. You were you were breaking up for for a little bit of that for me, uh, Christian. But from yeah. what I'm hearing, DeAndre Hopkins is is the way you're leaning towards the most, Mike. Yeah. For you, which one is it, Tavon Austin or DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, I, I caught most of uh, Christian. He was breaking up a little bit, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I agree with Christian. Uh, I'm, I'm going with DeAndre Hopkins. He's a better route runner. Uh, he's, he's just a better overall wide receiver. And that, that that's what I like to see. Uh, uh, Tavon has speed to burn. I mean, I mean, he is crazy speed. But I'm worried about his receiving. I, I just I don't know if he is that good of a wide receiver. DeAndre is definitely – 
a better wide receiver. So I, I, I'm going DeAndre. I'm looking at uh, – I'm okay, we've got Brian Schottenheimer in St. Louis, and we're talking about this year and, and what, what they're going to do this year. And, look, you had uh, Fisher and Schottenheimer combined for a 3,700-yard season, passing season, uh, two years ago. 3,300 yards down here last year, same amount of touchdowns, 22. But I think with a healthy Sam Bradford, that's the question, right? You've got Sam Bradford on one side, and, and on the other side, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I don't think that any of us think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to have a 4,000-yard career in Houston. I mean, they had 4,000 and 4,100 under Rick Dennison last year and Gary Kubiak. Now you bring in Bill O'Brien, uh, and who knows who the offensive coordinator? Who is the offensive coordinator in Houston? I don't even, uh, I don't I even know. know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but we know who it is in St. Louis. It's Brian Schottenheimer. And so I've got Sam Bradford or or Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then on the other side of the equation, I've got to ask myself, I'm like, okay, I've got on Houston, I already know I have Arian Foster catching balls, right? I've got Andre Johnson catching balls. And I've got Garrett Graham for sure, who I love this year, is going to catch a lot of balls. So there's three guys right there that I know are going to catch a whole lot of balls. Now, DeAndre, you can throw him into that mix, but there's three guys there that are definitely going to be heavily involved in that offense. And when I go to St. Louis, who's going to catch a lot of balls there? There's, yeah, but, there's not a well, name that really jumps out at me. I mean, unless you think that's Kenny Britt after a 30-catch season last year. Uh, and, you know, look, if you think it's Kenny Britt, fine, but there's no guarantee. Now, we know Jared Cook will catch some balls. He had a pretty decent year, 50 catches last year. He could probably do more with Sam Bradford. Uh, but I think Austin has a clearer path and a clearer road to be a target hog, right? Just the right, guy but, that's just uh, running that slant. I disagree. Yeah, I, well, that just it all goes back to if they can use them properly. Um, yeah, you know, there's you make the same case on St. Louis and all their kind of, you know, second, third tier receivers that they're loaded with. You know, and they sprinkled around. You look at the box scores last year, and it was it was always someone different. You know, kind of uh, you know leading the way. So you you know, I know AJ and. And uh, Foster are going to get their balls, but and you don't know, but St. Louis, but I, you, you kind of have. Um, there's more of a pool of players there, so I mean, obviously Austin's better town. He should rise to the top, which kind of goes back to they need to use him properly. If I and if I had to put the well, well, the one thing about it though, Scott is, you know, who can I rely on running the route? Hopkins or Tavon Austin. I mean, you know, if it, if it's my second option, for instance, am I, am I going to rely on uh, Tavon Austin or, or, or DeAndre Hopkins? Hopkins is going to be there. I mean, he showed it last year. Yeah, but Nuke is, Nuke is like this big red zone threat that I'm waiting for them to have a, a quarterback that can get them, you know, just really get it down there. Right. And I don't see that with Fitzpatrick. That's not the type of quarterback that really will take advantage of a talent like DeAndre Hopkins, right? I, I mean, I'm, I, I remember watching all the, the YouTube film on him, and I'm like, man, you give him a quarterback that could throw that beautiful little fade into the corner of the end zone, and he can't, nobody can touch him. Nobody can stop him. Well, how many, yeah. how many, uh, how many touchdowns that happened would not that have been way? A, that, would not have been a Sherman, that would not have been a Sherman tip ball with a good quarterback, right? Tossing it right there. Kaepernick just threw a terrible ball to get it to Crabtree. You can't do that for, <laughs> against Richard Sherman. Uh, but anyway, look, I, I hear both your points, and it's going to be interesting to see if either one of those guys will, 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 break off, uh, will break off with a good year. Finally, I want to get your thoughts on Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener. This is, these are two guys that uh, last year we thought that Kobe Fleener would have a much easier time succeeding in this offense last year with, without a Dwayne Allen to contend with. And he kind of proved us all that he's not really that special, didn't he? I mean, it was his second year. He had a great chance to shine. And let me talk about the numbers. 52 on 84 targets, 608 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he didn't drop many balls, actually. 1.9% is a very low drop percentage. That's, that's ridiculously low for any player. Uh, yards after the catch, 4.8, very average pedestrian. Targets per game was, was decent. Receptions per game was low. Yards per reception, 11.7, that's decent. Completion percentage, 61.9. That's decent. It just wasn't special. And so maybe I'm being a little too hard on Kobe Fleener. Maybe I'm too high on Dwayne Allen. But 
but Christian, talk to me about these two guys and which one. Uh, what, what do you What do you think of these two? No, I actually agree with you. I think you saw enough of Fleener last year that you know he's not special. Um, but he's, he would be a, if he did if he did put up some stats. It's the system of the offense, you know, product of the offense. Um, if you know, I'm I'm staying away from both of them just because you know you're really dealing with you know five six players that are going to see a handful a lot of targets in that in that offense. Um, yeah. So you know, I, if I had to buy it, Allen is I think it's a good on dynasty. Uh, stats. Yeah. You know, I like him uh, buying on a dynasty team, but on a redraft, um, unless they fall, you know, I'm certainly not going to buy him at their current ADP. Mike? Yeah, I, I kind of like uh, Allen on uh, um, dynasty, but I still, I, I'm still going to get Fleener one more chance at uh, okay. Uh, redraft. Okay. Uh, well, look, I the team here is, is kind of dubbing Dwayne Allen, Antonio Gates 2.0, right? I mean, he has all of the – he looks like he could be a breakout type of guy, and and, and Fleener looked pretty pathetic last year. So it, it seems to me that Allen could, uh, Allen could be the beast that we've uh, been wanting to see somebody be for Andrew Luck. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens because, like you said, it could be just spread out so much for that team. Uh, that yeah. uh, that nobody really flourishes, and then that would be the one fear that uh, everybody could or should have uh, for drafting any Colts uh, very high. By the way, no offensive coordinator, I guess, for Houston at this point. Bill O'Brien is kind of <laughs> abstaining from uh, bringing uh, one in. Maybe sense. that's why. Maybe that's why we couldn't think of one off the top of our heads. Uh, Christian, thank yeah. you for joining us. And finally, you you, you jumped into another uh, World Championship. That. That's two fantasy football. What? What? Why did you join join the FFWC this year? Uh, well, I did a main event team last year, and um, yeah, I just enjoyed. It. You know, I really enjoyed it, and I guess part of the reason I did a second one this year. I I love the eleven man uh, the rosters. It's kind of what did me. You know, last year I was yep. sitting in top ten, but you know, a week ago and the the last week I was starting. I forget, but it was bad because I was so depleted. Um, but at the same time, so I'm kind of angry, but still. But um, I love the 11-man rosters. Uh, it really awards a good draft. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, I decided, you know, I just I just sort out my Vegas stuff. So I, just, I was like, okay, I'll do another one of Scott's. And I'm uh, so happy to do it. And you do a great job. And, you know, so I'm excited. It's awesome, man. Christian, Glad thanks to have for you. being on the show, man. Yep. Yeah, thanks for no, being thank on the show. Good luck with Take the care, rest guys. of your draft, my man. You got it. That was Christian Marikis, the Thank fantasy you. Smurf, joined us on Red versus Blue. That's the second time, man, and I love having him on because he really knows the dynasty world. He keeps yeah. his – I don't know about his redraft uh, acumen. Like, I don't know if he brings in a, uh, a certain uh, resume to the redraft that I really haven't paid attention to yet, but I know in dynasty he's active, he's uh, on it, He's involved in the trades, and that, that makes a, for a good dynasty owner. Mike, we're pretty much out of time. Yes, it does. But, uh, tell everybody uh, about your, uh, your, your week, your, your, your vacation week, man. Oh, man, I had a great week. You know, I played golf four days this week. I uh, was out on the lake twice, and uh, just I, I got away from the world of sports for a week, and I, I never thought I'd do that, just, just kind of just chilled out. It was fun. Nice. Well, good for you, man, and glad to have you back on Red vs. Blue. I'm glad I made it back here, too, guys. Really appreciate God, the you get to feeling awesome. better, buddy, okay? Yeah, I'm back, man. I'm, I'm about 80%. I'll be 100% uh, here in a, in a couple of days. And thank you to everybody <laughs> for being here. Uh, look, there's lots going on. Uh, check out the new uh, message board. Help us be a part of the new Scout Fantasy what message about board. Next Help Friday, us get that rolling. And uh, we've got a couple of leagues left. The Commander 5K League sold out. We've got a few spots left in the Commander or the uh, Top Gun 10K, the 850 Auction, and the 850 Draftmaster. Those are the only ancillary leagues we have left uh, in the World Championships out in Vegas, so make sure you're, you're a part of those. And then we will have announcements concerning the 10th Annual Rota Bowl this week, if not tomorrow, uh, to pass on to you through your email. That's, so my, be checking. that's, that's my most fun event. Most fun event. Oh, man, what about next did... Friday real quick? What about next Friday? Oh, I have no idea, man. I have no idea. What's going July on? July 4th. Oh, 
Yeah, you know what? We might have to figure something out and uh, do a special, best special show. But, uh, yeah, right. 4th of we'll, July we'll, coming we'll up, guys. There. All right, we'll see you guys next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.